one here. Take your Bibles and we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 23 for a few minutes. Then we're going to enjoy some fellowship afterwards. We have, I, I said eight pies, but I think there's only four. <laughs> I don't have to tell where the rest of them went. <clears throat> you know, it, it, uh, I know I say it over and over, but we, we really do. I, first of all, I hope you understand that, that Christ builds the church. That's his. I mean, that's, we do what we're supposed to do. We go out, we share the gospel, we love people, we do everything we can to, to try to help them and bring them to Christ. And, and uh, some, you know, some sow the seed, some water the seed, but God gives the increase. And and it's God that does that, but uh, I hope all of us understand the what what God is doing here just doesn't happen everywhere, and not all the time. And and it truly is a privilege to be a part of something that what God is doing, and He has been giving us some uh, wonderful opportunities to reach out to our community and to uh, be a blessing to to those that that are around. I, I find it amazing, and I know it's just, it's just social media, but we've, we've had people that were just passing through that visited on a Sunday, and they, they wanted to be my friend on Facebook, and, and we've kept communication going now, and, and in conversations, not just seeing the post, but actually conversations with each other, uh, just by meeting each other on one Sunday. And and, uh, you know, you guys are, as we uh, look to do God's will in our lives, we, we see that uh, God uses us to make an impact on people all over the country and actually all over the world. And uh, I'm excited, too, that in June, um, uh, Keith and Julia Klaus will be here. There are missionaries in Germany. Been in, been in Germany now uh, over 20 years, I think, and... Uh, missionaries there. This will be the first time that pretty much everybody here is going to meet the Klauses. They they haven't been to our church before. We went to uh, Bible college with them, and it was one of those couples that dated, and they really needed to get married. You know, they they just like you know, it's like guys, you need to take a breather, you know, and separate for a while here or something. But you know, it. You know what they were though. One of those couples you look at and you wonder, I wonder if they're going to make it. And here they are, 20-some years in the ministry and still still doing a work for God. And that's, a, that's just a blessing. And so they're going to be here in June. We can make a difference in their lives and be a help. And, and uh, uh, truly, it's just a, a blessing to be able to uh, see what God is doing in, in people's lives. And, and we get to be a part of that. And so let's let's just keep it up. Let's see what God will do in uh, making a difference in in this community. So uh, we just uh, it's a blessing. It's been a blessing to have the camps with us. And uh, Krista, praise the Lord that you're able to be here. Feel well enough to be here, and and uh, we pray for you. And and Frank and Renee, what a blessing you guys are, and uh, love you guys. And and. Uh, um, I know there's other motives for being here too, you know, but uh, we're we're glad that you came to see all of us too. So, but uh, truly a blessing. So, 
We're in 1 Samuel chapter 23, and I, I've always, David's always been one of my heroes. I, I just uh, have always been fascinated at reading about David. I always enjoy, I, I read through the Bible once a year. I always enjoy, uh, that's where I'm at right now, reading about the life of David and and have just enjoyed that. Not not that it was always pleasant because David's life was tumultuous at best and a lot of issues that went on in his life, but I just uh, love love the man and and the the passion that he had for for God, but but not only for God, but the passion that that he had for uh, his people and for the nation of Israel. And you think about all of the the time that that he was fleeing from Saul. You also need to realize that that he had a he had a band of thieves. He he was kind of uh, uh, you know he he had everybody that was disgruntled, everybody that was mad. He had all of those characters, and most of them were battle worn. I mean, these guys were tough nuts, and they were they were very strong uh, willed kind of men, and and. But, but in, in all of this, do you realize that he never laid his hands on, on Israel and was never violent against them? And not just Saul, but the entire country. And, and, and you see, what we're going to see here today is some of that heart that he had for, for Israel. And, and by Israel, I just mean everything. The, uh, I know that... Um, well, well, we'll get into this later. We know that the, the tribes divide and all of that. But anyway, we'll just use Israel as, as a whole right now. But uh, when, you, when you look at David, though, you see his heart and you see his desire to not only in loving God, but loving his people. And, and that's what we're going to see here, first of all. I, uh, in, in this chapter, I want us to see the heart of a shepherd. And in the first 15 verses, and First of all, we see in, in the heart of a shepherd is that in the first six verses, he has a love for his sheep. And I, I made mention of this uh, one other time, and whenever we think about pastors and we think about a pastor being a shepherd, that uh, I, I would be leery of a man that calls himself a shepherd but doesn't smell like the sheep. And I, I just... Uh, um, I heard a testimony of a man that actually he's going to be preaching here before too long, but but was, was um, in, in a Bible college for years and years and years, and the and the the president of the college had told this man, he he said, I don't want you to get close to the students, and and I don't want you to you know have them in your home, and I don't want you to have that kind of a relationship. You need to stand back from them, and and there are those that teach that, and and it's completely wrong from what I see. Scripture ought to be. I mean, we we ought to be right in the mix of of our people. We ought to be willing to to get in uh, to their lives and and try to to help them with biblical counsel and and encourage them. And and you can't do that if you pull yourself away from everyone. And and we need to realize and and. Sometimes you, you think of these things and you'd love to teach the young men that are going in the ministry, but they need to realize, and we all need to realize, that sin is dirty. And, and that when, when we are there and, and we are helping, that 
you can't but help be around you, all around you, and, and you're, you're going to get the hair off the sheep. You're going to get the, the mud off the sheep. You're going to get the smell of the sheep in your own life. And, 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 and knowing the, the sheep that are having chronic illnesses and those that are prone more to stray and those that are stubborn and those that are, are weaker, and you're going to learn all of those things. You can't do that if you are always pulling yourself away. Well, David wasn't that way at all. And, and we see that I, I think one of the reasons that he was such a good leader was the passion that he had. And, and you can just see, the, and, and we know this, where finally the men said, David, you need to get back because David was the first in the battle. And he led the way. He didn't beat them and, and push them. He led the way. And then the one time meets up with a, a giant that's about to kill him and they, they save his life and they say, King, you need to stay back. Let us do the fighting, and and I just I I just love David, and and I love everything uh, about what we see. Yeah, he made some terrible decisions along the way, but who hasn't, and who doesn't? And and we see that God continues to restore him, and let us not make the same uh, bad mistakes that he does, but let's learn from them. But here, in the first six verses, we see his love for the sheep. Then they told David, saying. Behold, the Philistines fight against Kila, and they rob the threshing floors. Now, now remember, we know that uh, chapter twenty-two. He's come out of the. He he was in the cave. It was there that we know that he had gotten some things right with God, and and we know that uh, he took responsibility. That he's the one that that uh, it was his. He he said it's my fault that the the priests had been killed, and and that. Uh, I, I was the one that had done this, and, and it's during this time that we saw that, that he had uh, written uh, Psalm 57, he had written Psalm 142, he had written Psalm 34, and, and, and we see those Psalms where uh, showing us the sorrow that he had, the repentant heart that he had, and, and how God had restored him and brought him back. Well, now we see that he's back in that, that place of restoration that, that we have, and so now here he is, and and he's still hiding from Saul, and he and he hears of this this small town, this small city that's off to the west of Bethlehem, maybe a little bit north of Bethlehem. But and is hearing that that uh, they've been surrounded by the Philistines, and in the threshing floor it was usually outside of the city, and the Philistines had already moved in, and now they had taken over the threshing floors of that of that city, there where they would get their food, that where they would grind their meal, and. And have that, and so uh, here, first of all, we see that he heard of the attack, and then in verse two, we see that he inquires of God, and he says, "Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines?' And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Kila. And, and and you know, as I was looking at this, and and uh, it's amazing how God always brings things together, and. And, and I had heard the title of, of what Pastor Camp was going to preach this morning, but didn't know, you know, and he set out a Ruth one, but didn't know anything of the context, anything that he was really going to be bringing up. But isn't it amazing how it went right along with what we heard this morning in Connections class and, and how it really goes right along with what we're going to see tonight also in that, that look, if we are going to do what God wants us to do, then we need to seek his face through the word we need to be seeking his face through prayer, through answered prayer, 
and understanding that sometimes we can look at all the facts and, and, and we can see what makes logical sense, but it isn't what God wants. And remember Proverbs 3 and verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. You know, sometimes you're not able to see the, the layout of where God wants you to go. You just have to trust him. Well, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Well, here what we're seeing with David is a restored life and we're seeing a man now that understands his weaknesses. He's a mighty man already and he has a, has a pretty tough group of, of people here that, that he's leading. And here we see that in a restored heart, the one thing that he does is he inquires of the Lord. So he said, Lord, do we go and kill these guys? Do we get rid of them? I mean, think of this. Here's David. He's not the king. He's been anointed king. He knows that that's what God is wanting him to do. And he loves his nation, but he's hiding from the king who has thousands of men looking for him at this moment. And he's saying, God, do you want me to come out of hiding and go take care of these characters. And so he inquires of God, and God says, yeah, go. Go and smite the Philistines. Save Kilah. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Kilah against the armies of the Philistines? You know, he engaged in danger, but in doing this, we see that his men said, hey, we're we're kind of shook up about this. We're not sure that we really want to come out of hiding. We come out of hiding, and we go and we take care of these Philistines, and Saul is going to hear about this, and then what are we going to do, and how are we going to get away? You know, and, and as I was looking at this and thinking about in, in our own Christian walk and, and in, in the things that we are doing for God, and, and, and uh, along the way, you know what? There comes a time where there are, there are times and there are challenges where people are going to come and say, I don't know, do we really want to do this? And this really doesn't make sense, and, and it doesn't back up to the facts, and it doesn't make any logical sense that this is the thing that we ought to be doing. But here is David, the leader of that group, and he said, this is what God is telling us to do. And there is resistance along the way. And, and, and you can see that all day long, that, that whenever we step out and we are serving God with faith, that, that there are some that, that might question that. But when we know for certain that this is what God wants us to do, whether it makes sense to anyone or not, it doesn't matter. We need to, by faith, need to obey Him and walk and do what it is that He's showing us to do. The great leaders of the Scripture were willing to do that. And how we need to do the same. And here we see that, that David didn't judge these guys and, and condemn them and, and trash them and, 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 and push them out. David led. And how did he lead? Well, he inquired of the Lord again. And there's nothing wrong with that. Gideon did that a numerous times. And here he says, Then David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Kilah, for I will deliver the Philistines 
into thine hand. So he inquires again. He enlists his men to fight. So David and his men went to Kilah and fought the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Kilah. You know, I, I mentioned this before about, you know, people, I, I don't know, the small church mentality or, you know, let's keep it small or, you know, I, I think that, I think that there are some small churches that are small because God chooses it to be that way. And, and he allows that to be. I think for, for 17, 18 years, God chose to allow our church to be that way, to grow in, in the, in the, in, in the small group that we had to, to, to mature and to understand that maybe it was more for me as a pastor than anybody because, you know, the whole goal when you come in is you want to reach as many people as you can. That's the way it's always been. I think over the last few years that, and especially after the last year in, in what, what our son has gone through, it's emphasized to me how important eternity is. And, and so, you know, I had someone tell me one time, Pastor, you've changed. Oh, I have. I'll admit it, I have. And, and, and I, I don't think it's changed in the way that he was accusing me of changing, but, but I have changed. And, and I do want to see God use us as a body to reach more and more people for Christ. And, and there is always going to be resistance along the way, but that's okay. We're going to continue to step out. We're going to continue to trust Him, and we're going to continue to live for Him, and we're going to continue to watch God do an amazing thing in people's lives by we being obedient to what God's Word has to say. And there is resistance along the way, and that's okay. We're not here to judge that. We're not here to condemn that. We are here to make certain that it's God's will what we do, and then when we know that it's God's will, even when it doesn't back up to the facts that we know, in logical sense, we're still by faith going to trust Him. And we're going to do what it is that, that He asked us to do. And, and here He did exactly that, and guess what? The men followed Him. And they, what did they do? They, he enlisted them, they came out, and they had a great victory against the Philistines. And they destroyed them in that place. And then it shows us that he was empowered with God's presence because it says, and it came to pass, when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David, to Kilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. And this ephod was his vest that, that the high priest wore. And so now we start looking, and, and here Saul, Saul had the numerous armies. All of the power that the world had to give him, he had it at that moment. And he had that, but David had the power of God. And you think about all those men that lost their lives, but the one escaped and brought the ephod, and showing us that Saul had the world and David had God. And we see the great victory that's given because of that. All the, 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 the power that we see in this, and not in David himself, but in God and in, and in what God is doing in, in his life. And, and so here we see his, and, and so here we have his love for his sheep. Knowing that one day that he's going to be anointed king, knowing that God had promised that, he loved his people and he was willing to sacrifice his life 
to save them. And by faith, he trusted God, and he stepped out, and he led his men, and they had a great victory. And then we go on, and we see his love for the great shepherd also. And when it's told Saul that David was come to Kilah, and I, I love this. Well, I don't love this, but it's typical. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into mine hand. No, God hasn't done anything for you, Saul. As a matter of fact, judgment's getting ready to come on your head. And how many times, how many times do we hear people give lip service to God, but there's absolutely nothing in their heart? You know, we hear all kinds of people use God's name. We have all kinds, it, it, it almost, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on that, maybe I'm too cynical, but it almost seems like have become a fad with, with athletes to, to say something about God. When, when they saw the, the, uh, the popularity of Tebow, maybe they thought, maybe I need to jump on this Jesus train too, you know? Um, even some of our, uh, some of the politicians seem to, to want to do that. And, and it, you know, there's just got to be a little bit more than somebody saying something. You need to prove it. Well, Saul can say all he wants, but he proved that his heart was black as sin and that he didn't, he didn't look to God for anything. And here we go on. And, and, and so he says, God hath delivered him into mine hand, for he is shut in by entering into a, count, uh, a town that hath gates and bars. And Saul called all the people together to war to go down to Kilah to besiege David and his men. He cared nothing about the people of Kilah. Look, he was going to surround the city, bring all of his army to that city, and pretty much burn it to the ground to kill David. And he was going to kill everybody in the midst of that, didn't matter who it was. He was a king, not a shepherd. David was a shepherd. He cared about these people, and he went in trying to help them and to, and to stop the evil that was going to be taking place in their lives. And, and you know, I, I, and, and I, I look at these things, and, and, and I think, why, God, are you allowing these things in David's life? And, and then David even answered a, a lot of this, uh, even in his, in his own Psalms, and, and in Psalm 25, he writes, and and uh, Psalm 25 and verse 14, he says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. And then, and, and then he goes on, and Jesus says that, that you don't need to walk in darkness, but follow me, and, and, and I will show you the light and, and, and help you along the way. And while Saul's delusions here, we see that he thought that God had handed him David and, and, and here David was, was looking to save these people and Saul was looking to destroy them so that he could uh, continue to, to, to march his path that he had in his own mind. And so he needed to quit using God to justify his carnal behavior. And so, but we see that David sought God and, and so what did he do? And it says that and David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, bring hither the ephod. Oh God, I need your direction. I need to find out what it is that you would have for me. I look to you to give me the answers. And, 
God, you're the one that told me that I needed to go into Kyla and, and, and I needed to save these people's lives. And so I go in and you've given me a great victory. And, and now I hear that Saul is coming and, and he's going to surround the city. And, and what is it that, that we need to do? And, and God, I need your answers. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Kyla to destroy the city for my sake. Here again, the heart of the shepherd. He wasn't caring about himself. He didn't say, God, oh God, what am I to do? He's seeking my life. He said, oh God, what do I do? Because Saul has come to destroy the city for my sake. He's going to kill all these people because of me. I, I just, I, I love the heart of David. Will the men of Kilah deliver me up into this hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? Or, O God, Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then said David, will the men of Kilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver thee up. You know what I find? And I think, I think we all understand this, and, and we still love each other, but we will disappoint each other, and we're going to let each other down, and we're not always going to be faithful in everything, and we're going to make bad choices along our way, and there are going to be times when every one of us is going to hurt each other. That's just a fact. That is just the way that, that, that things are going to go. But I want you to know that God never lets us down. But here, think of this. David had gone into this city and had saved their lives. And now he's there and he's seeking God and finding out. And, and, and God told him, yes, all is going to come up here. Okay, well, are these people going to give me up? And God says, yep. Yeah, they will. Yeah, they will. David still loved them. But it didn't hinder his relationship with God, even though these people were disappointing to him. And how we need to understand that, that our faith is not based on each other. Our faith is based on God and his faithfulness. And we need to look to him and we need to trust him. And so we see then that God delivers him. Then David and his men were about 600, arose and departed out of Kilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Kilah, and he forbore to go forth. David abode in the wilderness in strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. The word Ziph has the idea and the meaning of battlement, and a refining place. Yeah, that'd refine you, wouldn't it? I mean, you go into hiding, and, and here you are. You're, and, and look, there's no mistake by what God writes here. And Saul sought him every day. You talk about, you ever had a burden that you go to sleep thinking about it? You wake up thinking about it? You go through the day thinking about those things, and, and, and 
maybe you pray about it, and, and that's what we need to do, and maybe that's the kind of burden that you have. You wake up praying, you go through the, the day praying, you go to bed at night praying for that, and, and, and it just doesn't seem to go away, and, and you're just asking God to deliver you from it and, and to give you victory over whatever it is or answer the prayer that you have, and you go on and on. Well, that is exactly what's going on in David's life. Can you imagine? He goes to sleep at night, and every, every uh, stick that you hear crack, every horse that you hear nicker, you're waking up and, and thinking that somebody is there to, to take your life. You're living the day, and, and, and you, you get a drink of water at the stream, and you're constantly looking, and you're careful of where you go and, and getting out in the open, and you're always just watching constantly about what's going on. Well, that's where David was. And it was during that time that God was refining him and helping him with his faith and growing him along the way. And we see that God continued to protect him. God delivered him not into his hand. And so then we see that just about the time when you would think that you're about to crack and you just can't handle it any longer... We see the help of a friend. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. He encouraged him. One of the greatest ministries that we have at Platte Valley Baptist Church is a ministry of encouragement. We're, We're in a world that is doing everything it can to keep us down. And trying to discourage us and and make us think that we're worthless and that we cannot be used by God. And look, we need to be encouraging one another. We need to be helping one another along the way. Let us be a Jonathan. Let us be a Barnabas. Let us be the one that comes alongside another one and, and helps them along the way and helps them to get to where they need to be. Oh, how important it is that that we take people where they are and help them to get to where they need to be. Because we're in the process of doing the same thing for ourselves and how we need to help each other. And here, Jonathan did that, and he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee, and that also Saul my father knoweth. My my dad already knows that you one day will be king, and I'll be there with you, and I'll support you. It had to be comforting to to David to know that of all people, the king's son said, I'm with you. You'll be king, and I totally support you. I don't want anything out of this other than to be by your side. What a true friend. And they too made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. And so we see the help of a friend. You know, you might be the one that is in need of that friend. However, you might not be thinking about it, but God may be laying someone on your heart right now that you need to call, you need to go see, you need to send them a text, you need to write them a letter. I know that that's very archaic now to actually write a letter, but write a letter and, and, and tell them and encourage someone God may be doing that with you right now to be that friend. And how important it is. That's the way God has made us to be. And and those encouraging things are good. 
But then we see the self-seeking Ziphites. Say that fast three times. Self-seeking Ziphites. <clears throat> so, then came up the Ziphites. How, you know, that'd kind of make you a little bit, bit brawly anyway, just being called a Ziphite, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, you Ziphite. <laughs> oh, then came up the Ziphites to Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself with us in strongholds in the wood? In the hill of uh, uh, Hakala, which is on the south of Jeshimon. Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of thy soul to come down. And our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hands. You know, there have been times, and I have no idea why. I don't know why anyone would ever think this, okay? But there have been times in, in 30 years of ministry where you just get a feeling that somebody is butting up to you just because they think maybe they're going to get something. I don't like that. I don't, and I don't want to assign motives to someone, so I, I try not to, but, but when the hair on your neck comes up and the Holy Spirit is screaming in your ear, you pay attention to that. Well, that's exactly what the Ziphites were doing. Hey, buddy, O king, we, we want you to remember us and Maybe you can come along and give us some spoil, and, and, and maybe later when you take David's head off, you'll remember us and put us in some leadership position or, or, or whatever and, and, and give us those things. Do you know that, that God says that, 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 that he will lift us up? He will be the one to abase us, whatever it is that he wants. We just need to serve him. And be a servant and, and allow God to do those things. And, and here we see that, oh, they're doing their best in, in the, the Ziphite. You ever have somebody come up and do that, say, back off, Ziphite? <laughs> they won't get it, but you'll know. <clears throat> and Saul said, I love, you know, this guy, he's the Joel Osteen of the, of the David century. Blessed be you of the Lord. Ye shall fly away in your $63 million jet. Ye will drive a $300,000 car and live in a nice plush home. I will make that all for you. Just think positive. I'm sorry. And Saul said, Blessed be ye of the Lord, for ye have compassion on me. His deceptive piety. Go, I pray you, prepare yet and know and see his place where his haunt is and who has seen him there, for he has told me that he dealeth very subtly. See therefore, and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hideth himself, and come ye again to me with a certainty, and I will go with you, and it shall come to pass, if he be in the land, that I will search him out throughout all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. Now quickly, right here, at this point, David writes Psalm 54. I, I love when you study the life of David, and then you, you find where many of these psalms that uh, when he wrote them, and, and let's see what David writes here in Psalm 54. He starts off in the first three verses. He says, save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. 
For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. And, and, and you, see the, you see the plea. You see some desperation that, that he has in his voice. But then he writes the word Selah. Okay, let's pause. Let's take a breath. Let's give some thought to this. Let's remember where I'm at in my walk, and now let's write the rest. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. Now, these words are preserved by God, but they're also inspired by God. And so David, writing these first ones, then it's almost like God says, hey, take a break, and now let me tell you something. And in that wilderness, in that quiet place where he thinks that he's going to be killed, and here comes Saul again, God tells him, behold, God is mine helper. David, I'm your helper, and the Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eye has seen his desire upon mine enemies. That's the, that is the, the response that David had. But look at those two verses again. David, I'm your helper. I'm with them. That uphold my soul. I will reward evil unto your enemies, and I will cut them off in thy truth. David, remember. Remember who you are, and remember that I placed you there, and then remember who I am. And he writes this, and so he moves to Moan. Saul also and his men went to seek him. And they told David, Wherefore he came down into a rock and abode in the wilderness of Moan. And when Saul heard that he pursued after David in the wilderness of Moan, and Saul went on this side of the mountain, and David and his men on that side of the mountain. And David made haste to get away for fear of Saul. For Saul and his men compassed David and his men round about to take them. It sounds like when you study this out that it may not have been so much of a mountain as it was a cliff. And David was on top of it, and they chose to come in on the bottom. And so he got away by riding along the top of it while they came along in the bottom. That's how close it was. <laughs> how many times do, do uh, we see God give us deliverance in the 11th hour? Well, he did so again. For there came a messenger unto Saul, saying, Haste thee and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Wherefore Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore they called that place, yep, that's it. <clears throat> Selahamahel, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should have practiced that before I preached that tonight. Selah, Amah, Helikoth. And David went up from thence and dwelt in strongholds at Engedi. Now, that's not the last time that he had a close call. But it was another time that God delivered him. 
And when I see this, and I, I, you, you look at the heart of Saul, and he hated David in his jealousy and his arrogance and his pride. He was willing to destroy everything to get that. And David, when his heart was right, didn't care about himself, but cared about his men and cared about the people of Israel. And we see the difference. And we see how God blessed David. And he used this time as a refining time in his life to help him to trust God and to be used in a way that only God could use him. What a life we have in the life of David. Let us be men like him. Let us be women like him that have that kind of faith to trust him and live for him and see his blessings. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for David. Lord, I do look forward to one day after having met my wonderful Savior to be able to meet David and know and understand that the ground is level at the cross and that even as you loved your king that of Israel, that you love me just as much. Thank you. And Lord, I pray that we will be men and women of faith. I pray that we will walk with you. I pray that you will use us mightily. I pray that you help us to be the friend like Jonathan. Help us to be those men that follow David and fight for you, stand up for you, love you, walk with you. Father, I thank you. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for the wonderful privilege it is to be called the Son of God. And God, I pray that you'll do a work in our hearts. Use us this week to reach out, to touch someone else's heart with your precious word, the glorious gospel, and see their lives changed because of the love that we have to obey you. Lord, again, I pray you do a work in our lives. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.